It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Good morning and welcome to the show. Today, my guest is Karen Dietz. She's an author, a speaker, a master storyteller, a folklorist. Yeah, you heard that right, a folklorist. Because today we're talking about storytelling and how to use the power of stories to win new business. So, Karen, good morning. Oh, good morning, Andy. It's great to be here with you. Yeah. So, glad to have you on the show. It's taken a little work to get you here. So, um, take a minute to introduce yourself. Tell us what you do and who you do it for, and we'll use that sort of a forward to our conversation today. All right. Great. Thanks. Sure. I have leaders and entrepreneurs and nonprofits and sales folks increase their impact and their influence and, of course, their income. And I do that all through the power of business storytelling. So basically what I do is I do workshops and I do coaching with folks on how to use stories in their business. And it's how to, how to find those stories, how to tell those stories, and how to move people to action with those stories. And that's, that's the big deal in, in business. Because uh, storytelling is a, you know, we've been doing that for 100,000 years. Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, you're a small business owner. Is, is how did you get to where you were today from, you're like an academic, right? Well, yeah, I started out in academics like too many years ago than I want to admit. <laughs> and I moved over into starting my own training company. And that whole business was, as they say, you know, learning how to put butts in seats. But were you at that time, I mean, you're, you're trained, you have a PhD in folklore, right? Yes. And so yeah. your whole academic training was about storytelling. Was that first business venture you started about teaching people how to tell stories or was it something else? No, interestingly enough, it was something else. You know, when I was teaching academically and teaching folklore, and basically folklore is a, um, a way of understanding how people transfer their knowledge and their wisdom and how groups do that, how individuals do that, how cultures do do that. And so storytelling was definitely part of my training. And I also uh, was trained not only academically in like how to, how to collect and how to categorize stories, things that are kind of boring, but then also I was, um, my first storytelling teacher was uh, Chippewa Cree um, Native American from up in Saskatchewan, Canada, and he held all the sacred stories for his tribe. So I got a real good understanding of the power of storytelling as a oral experience, you know, firsthand experience. And so when I started my business, I was actually uh, doing more work in the power of personal transformation and learning about the stories we tell ourselves and how they can be great and how they can be limiting. Right. Yeah. So how did that transition then to helping business leaders, helping entrepreneurs, CEOs, salespeople learn about the power of story and using them in their business? 
I uh, well, I moved from from that. I sold that business. I was very successful in that business and sold it. Moved out to California from Philadelphia, where I'd been living, and I uh, got a company. Got a uh, excuse me, a position in a training company. So I, I learned more business training uh, and the business world, and then moved over to consulting and learned the consulting business. And so that's where I've been ever since. And uh, as you well know, uh, both training and consulting rely on sales in order to be successful, as any business does. And so I had to had to learn how to use stories in sales early on because I made lots of mistakes. <laughs> as uh, as we all do. That's that's why we're doing the show is to help people learn from our mistakes. So. What is the the basic importance of of stories or storytelling, let's say, in business in general and sales in particular, is in terms of you know just the power of what they can do? All right, uh, there are a few things to go over. The first one is is pretty basic in that we're very used as adults, particularly in business, to talking in business speak or uh, using very professional language that is very conceptual, sometimes analytical. And, and in sales, that translates a lot into, here, let me tell you all about our product and how great it is, uh, going through the features and benefits and what have you. And all of that is really great information. However, those are all in, you know, uh, basically, they're all facts. Right. But stories are 12 times more memorable than facts. So if you want somebody to remember what you're telling them and be impressed by it, then you need to use stories because stories are more impactful. And in fact, there was a Stanford University study where they ran a bunch of people through um, receiving information and then uh, uh, also then shared stories with them. And they discovered that only 5% of the people remembered the facts, but 63% of the people remembered stories. Right. Now, when this, uh, when, how this translates to sales in, particularly, in particular is when a business depends on referrals. Because if you do not provide someone a story to tell about you to someone else outside of your presence, then your ability to generate referrals is going to be significantly uh, hampered. Okay. Uh, stories travel. So if you share a story with somebody, particularly a, a great story about how a customer had a great success with your product or your service, uh, then that person can retell the story. And that's called word-of-mouth marketing, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's in a very specific form, as you said, that's, that's much more memorable. Yes, absolutely. So when we look at some hardcore numbers, these, these numbers I'm going to share with you sound very fantastical, but it's all documented. And so even though these numbers may sound a little outrageous, just kind of scale back and think, well, I may not get those big numbers, but even if I get more than what I'm getting now, we see an improvement. 
so there, there are two things that I want to share with you. One is a, a project, a research project that was done called the Significant Objects Project. And have you heard of this one? No, I have not. Okay, so uh, a few researchers, they wanted to know what would happen if they went around and picked up some garage sale items, you know, some tchotchkes. Mm -hmm. And they weren't allowed to spend more than a dollar, maybe a dollar fifty on any one item. And then uh, the task was to write a personal story about that item that they bought. And uh, so they created a bunch of stories. Uh, and this, each, uh, each item and ended up um, with its own personal story. And then they uh, sold it on eBay. And on average, there was a 2,700% markup. <laughs> In the sales price, right? So, you know, a ninety-nine cent horse's head, you know, sold for um, uh, oh, twenty-seven hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> uh, something like that. Well, it, you know, it was like um, uh, a two ninety-nine uh, dollar item sold for a hundred and one dollars. So, it, if you took all of the uh, average of what everything right. sold for, it was twenty-seven hundred percent markup. Um, another uh, shot glass that they bought for a dollar sold for $76. So the stories serve the purpose of creating a perception of value in those objects that didn't exist otherwise. Absolutely. That's exactly right. And then earlier this year in Germany, this was picked up by the Huffington Post uh, uh, in, uh, in, their, in their German uh, edition. There was this guy who decided to sell on eBay his um, was a car. It was an Opel uh, Tigra, manufactured in 1997, and it was basically valued. You know, if you if you go through the research and figure out, okay, what's a car that um, type and year, uh, uh, what would it be worth today? It was about you know twenty three hundred dollars. But this guy writes this amazing story about why he has to sell this car. His girlfriend is pregnant. It's too small for his family. He talks about the fast and furious encounter he had with the car, you know, at age 18. Uh, he writes about the downsides of the car, you know. The engine is making funny noises and the leather seats are worn. We don't know why the leather seats are worn, particularly in the back seat, but we can figure that out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you can't read the clock or the temperature, but, you know, it's always cold in Germany, so who needs a temperature gauge? And he writes about his relationship with his father and his friends and just so much about uh, this car. And the uh, auction, the bidding kept going up and up and up for this car on, um, on eBay, and it was finally sold for, get this, $60,000. I mean, $2,300 the value of the car, and it sold for 60000 I mean, that is just outrageous. That's why I said, you know, that these numbers are really, really big. I, uh, but I think the takeaway is that stories can be very, very powerful, and they can definitely increase not only the, your sales volume, because you can close more deals, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, uh, but the prices uh, can actually uh, yeah. Right, and especially if you're you're 
selling more of a commoditized product and people are somewhat aware of the general price scheme than being able to protect your margins by being able to tell a story that relates value for the value the customer will receive from the product or service they're buying from you, then that's a great margin protection tool. Yes, yes, yes. And stories help us make meaning. So we create meaningful connections with the products or services that we are being uh, present that's being presented to us and that's a very very powerful um, thing that the brain does we often talk I often talk about stories as being little mini sales simulators because what I know about storytelling is that when I share a story with you and I'm doing it really well your imagination becomes immediately engaged so, and the, the time it takes between your brain and my brain to entrain is just like a second or two, if that. And as I share a story, you are seeing that story unfold in your own mind's eye. Right. And in sales, what that means is that that person is seeing themselves in the story that you are sharing. That is incredibly powerful because that that acts as a, as a little simulation, right? They're trying out your product or service as you're telling the story about it. Right. I call that the mental test drive. Yeah. So yeah, when the power of story is is, and I talk about this in my latest book, is is that is one of the key key elements of well, people's decision making process in general is as people have studied decision making. Say there's a series of steps people go through, and one step that we all go through, mm-hmm. regardless of what product or service we're buying, personal or for business, we always do this mental tryout. Yes. yes. And the story is how you get to that mental tryout stage faster than you would if you weren't using it. And that's one of the things that's really key is this is an accelerant for building relationships and building trust. Stories are. Absolutely, they are. So when we think of sales, it's not just the end result of making the sale. It also starts at the very beginning in terms of your ability to connect and build relationships uh, with uh, your prospects. And so storytelling and stories have a place all along each phase of the sales cycle. Yeah, absolutely agree. So when we come back after the break, what we're going to do is get into some of the details about how to create a story. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that in my book. I'd be interested to hear what you say in terms of easy ways for salespeople to put together concise stories that they can use in the variety of circumstances you talked about. You use them in place of feature benefit presentations. Use them in place of, um, well, certainly start with that. Use them in complex sales situations where stories have to be repeated because in almost any sale now, there's a study that's published uh, by the Harvard Business Review or uh, an article written about a study that was in the Harvard Business Review that talked about on the average there are 5.4 decision makers in every sale these days in the business-to-business environment. Yeah. So being able to help tell one person a story that gets related to someone else to con- convey your value proposition really becomes important. And, and a story is more likely to do that than, as you said, the facts and figures. That's right. So stay with us after the break. We'll be back with Karen Dietz. We're going to talk about her tips for helping you create sales stories that help you amp up your sales. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. 
Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. So welcome back. My guest today is Karen Dietz. And you can find Karen online at JustStoryIt, the word JustStoryAndIt.com. And you can also buy her new book, which I have a copy of. It's called Storytelling for Dummies. And the dummies word notwithstanding, <laughs> it's not for dummies. It's for anybody that's serious about integrating storytelling into their, their lives, their sales profession, into their business career, and the power that you get from that. So... Let's talk about how to create a story. So let's let's take salespeople. Let's get down to sort of the lowest level. You know, what's the first person a salesperson should take in terms of, you know, creating a story that's going to be a powerful addition to their sales arsenal? Right. And so there, there are a couple parts to your question. And the one is, okay, first of all, how do you structure a story? What do you need to have in it? And there's a very simple structure that any person can use, any salesperson can use to get started. And that's called the charm structure because we need to get our charm on, right? <laughs> and this is what charm stands for. The C stands for uh, you know, setting the context, which is basically giving us the setting. Mm -hmm. uh, I was sitting in the office one day or I was with another client, you know, whatever that setting is. So that's the context, that's C. And then H stands for um, sort of uh, the hindrance, which is the problem, mm -hmm. right? it's the challenge that's happening. And that you, you need to share, share that right away particularly in sales. Mm -hmm. And then the A stands for action. So what actions were taken? What steps were taken? What happened after that? Right? What did you do to meet the challenge or to solve the problem that was presented? And then the R uh, stands for resolution. How did it all get resolved? Right? Uh, how was the problem solved? How was the challenge met? And then the M stands for meaning. This is the one that very often gets left off of uh, business stories. And the meaning is sort of like, okay, everything got resolved, but what does that mean? What did that mean for your customer? Right? And uh, so we absolutely need to bring that into the story. And so there you have the charm structure, C-H-A-R-M, context, hindrance, action, resolution, and then the meaning of that. Okay. So if you can use that to get started, there are, of course, many other structures to use, but just you know, work on one and uh, get a few stories down using that structure, and you'll be well on your way to using great stories. Right. So... If you're a salesperson, we've got this charm structure that Karen has set out. 
So think about what you're doing is you're going to be telling a story about what I believe is a, the best way to go is tell a story about one of your existing customers, right? Because you're going to be relating their experience to your prospect that you're talking about. So to build a story, think about a customer that you have. And it could be maybe a sales team. You need to collectively do this because mm-hmm. you, can, you can all have the same story. Right. So, you know, it doesn't have to be the onus doesn't have to be just on one one person. But pick a good customer situation. As Karen says, start with the context. The hindrance was, you know, it. what was the problem they were trying to solve? Mm-hmm. And But that could also be what was the objective they were trying to achieve. Right. That, absolutely. As I put it in a positive context, is you know, people, we like to sales, we tend to default to saying there's a pain point. But really, people are trying to achieve an objective. That's right. So the hindrance objective, A, the action. You know, what was the action the customer took? The results, mm-hmm. the R, which is really, you know, the value that they received from their investment in your product and service. And the M is what was the meaning of that? What what did that do for them right. as a result of having received that value? And and so it's, it's you know, it's in a sales meeting, if you're a sales manager listening to this or if you're a salesperson, you need to have, you know, two or three of these stories at least sort of prepared to be able to tell so that when customers ask a, a particular question, uh, I think instead of like defaulting to uh, giving a features and benefit answer, tell a story. Absolutely. And here's the trick about these. I, what you talked about, this, this kind of, the kinds of stories that you suggest that people tell, I call people and results stories. And they're really about your customers. And the, the trick here is when you're crafting the story, you always want to make the customer the hero. Right? It's so easy for businesses to um, um, mistakenly share a story that comes across about how great they were, right? This is our solution. This is how we help solve the problem. And the the company ends up being the hero of the story, but that's not what is going to get you sales. What's going to get you sales is when the customer is the hero, when the customer is was able to do something extraordinary and your company, your product, your service was the secondary character, right? You were oh, just absolutely. The helper along the way, and uh, so it's always about crafting a story that shows how somebody else was able to do something extraordinary, accomplish something really remarkable, and uh, and and you were there as a part of the story. Right, and John Steinbeck, you know, famous American novelist, you know, talked about is that you know if you're telling a story, people will only listen to stories that are about them. Right. Right. And so, yeah, if you're telling this story, your sales story, from the perspective of you as a vendor as opposed to from the perspective of the customer, then your prospect's not going to be able to take that mental test drive that's so essential because the story's about you and not about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, as salespeople, we're always told, oh, yeah, we have to share our success stories. And uh, if you're only sharing stories about the company's successes – you can only do that so often before those stories get really tired and your audience isn't going to want to listen to those. But they will listen for forever for stories about how other people were able to accomplish extraordinary things because you helped them. Right, and people like them. So a couple tips to, to throw in, and these are actually 
couple that I learned from you, because I talk a lot about storytelling and teach storytelling and work I do is, mm-hmm. is one is in your stories, include some, some details that personalize the story. I yes. mean, not just say, well, we have a customer that we worked with that had this problem. You had, if you can use the company name, use the company name. If not, say, hey, we had customer John, mm-hmm. who was you know VP of, of marketing at, at this company. And that makes it, that draws the listener in when there's that detail. Right. Nameless, faceless people don't work. <laughs> right. So, you know, this is, again, a lesson I learned from Karen, because I worked with Karen a couple of years ago on storytelling, is make sure you include the detail in there. The other thing, too, is is you have to, from a sales perspective, is you really have to keep the stories concise. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think on this charm structure and and... What I talk about is you have 150 words maximum mm-hmm. to tell that story because that's about what you can say in one minute, 150 words. And beyond that, the customer's interest is going to start wandering. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So uh, what I love about stories is that they can um, be very elastic and you can uh, expand and contract the stories as you need to. So you might find as you're working on your first few stories with this charm structure that they're longer than what you really need. But that's okay because uh, you can continue to hone that story and get it down to very concise, um, uh, a very concise and, and short story. And what makes a short story work is when you use visual language or what we call the language of the senses. So you're... Um, sharing the story and yes you're giving people's names but you're giving little details that uh, about oh what somebody might have uh, looked like or um, something to to uh, tickle the senses you know mm-hmm. sight smell taste uh, uh, touch uh, because that triggers the imagination, triggers the storytelling to happen in the other person's head. And it will make the story more memorable. So using metaphors, using visual language, using similes, using contrast, you know, between hot and cold, uh, you know, those those black and white distinctions, uh, all really are, are great techniques to make your story really pop. Right. And an easy one for salespeople to remember is think, at least I believe it's easy, is, is think about the season, mm-hmm. right? When you're talking to the, the customer and you first had that first interaction with the customer who's the subject of your story, was it autumn? So were there leaves on the trees or the leaves would turn color and they were falling? Was it winter? Mm-hmm. There was snow on the ground. It was cold. You know, it's a simple reference point. And actually, sort of comes from you know, haiku, because they always have a seasonal reference in haiku. So it's, it's, it's easy to remember is think about one detail to Karen's point about, you know, something with the senses is think about what time of year was it? That's a really good point. I really like that, Andy. And, uh, Another another little example would be we would often maybe start out a story that said, oh, yeah, I got a call the other day, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, how about you switch it around to something like, I was sitting at my desk hard at work on a proposal when all of a sudden the phone rings and there's a voice on the other end I hadn't heard in 20 years. Yeah, I like that. 
Yeah. So it's like all of a sudden, oh, yeah, what happened? What right? happened? Great curiosity. Absolutely. Right. And at the same time, somebody is able to picture you at your desk and reaching for the phone, and then they start hearing this voice, right? So it's really kind of cool. But that's what we're, these little tweaks that we're, we're talking about. Well, I think, <clears throat> and I bring them up because I think, you know, the hardest part's like, it's like the blank page syndrome, right? And we're telling people mm-hmm. create stories. How do, we, how do we do that? So the charm structure is a great way to start. Two other things that I would recommend, I'm interested in your opinion on this, is, is what I teach people is write your story down word for word. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not something you're just sort of conceptualizing in your head. This is a story that you're going to write down. And if it's 150 words, think about that. That's less than half a page of text. Right. So it's, it's not much at all. I mean, you probably send text messages that are longer than that. So 150 words, and then memorize it mm-hmm. word for word. Mm-hmm. Because that's how you're going to start making it just a integral part of yourself. And it, as you said, once you know it cold like that, then you can start extending it. Right. Absolutely. That's definitely a method that really works for many people. And there's another method, too, that I'll share with you because different people have different learning styles and, and different ways of, of uh, working with uh, stories. And the other way for maybe people who are more visual uh, or some people who just hate writing, right, uh, is uh, to take three by five cards and uh, for every uh, piece of the story, write down a keyword or a little visual image. Right? This, is, this is not about art. This is like creating stick figures. And you create a deck, uh, an image deck of how the story flows. And uh, those keywords and little images uh, act as mnemonics mm-hmm. for uh, how to create the story. And uh, then you speak it out loud and you can time it, right, to, to see how long it is, and you can contract it if it's too long, and you can remove the cards, you know, the, the ones, the details that are not I- important. And uh, that's another way to create a story. The, the work of the storyteller is to feed your audience images. And as long as you do that, whether you're writing it or whether you're putting an image deck together, either, either way works. And uh, so the, the point is to find the methodology that works best uh, for you and that was going to make you the most comfortable. So there's just another option there. Absolutely. But the key point is create stories. You know, <laughs> yeah. so, if, so if you're a sales manager and you're listening to this, in a sales meeting, take time, say next Monday what we're going to do in the sales meeting is we're going to create stories. And we'll start with one. Maybe you'll do one one a month, uh-huh. right? Set aside time, one sales meeting a month. We're going to create a story. Either use visual decks, so you can white, you know, storyboard it on a whiteboard, or you know, have people write it down word for word, mm-hmm. and then have people practice it. Because what I find is working with getting salespeople to tell stories is they want to they want to make them longer than they need to be, and you know yeah. these have to be practiced. They have to be second nature, and you know, the way to do that is rehearse and rehearse, you know, don't, I don't advocate talking to a mirror, but you could record yourself on photo booth or QuickTime, or you can stand up in a sales meeting and do a role play and, you know, have one of your peers be your customer and you can tell them the story. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. People ask me, how do I become a good storyteller? And I say, you tell lots of stories. Uh, and so go to your point about practice is that you do have to practice your stories. You get better at telling them every time you practice a little bit more. The other thing about stories, uh, particularly when you're in sales meetings and what have you, is that if you come up with a story, then the next piece of work is that every person must be able to tell that story in their own voice. Right, because it has to come across as authentic. Right, and so you will notice as people practice their stories that they're all going to tell that one story a little bit differently, and that is what you want, actually. Uh, and so, just a little caution: you know, don't get caught up in oh, it has to be told exactly the same way, Good right? Point. From person Good to point. person. Yeah, and that authenticity, that personal voice. Yeah, if it's if somebody otherwise it's going <laughs> to. If they're all telling the same story exactly the same way, it's going to be like they're reading it off a piece of paper. <laughs> That's true. And it'll be boring. <laughs> and that'll be boring. It'll defeat, defeat it all together. It will. So yeah. this is really just a simple tool for everybody to use to enhance their selling. As Karen talked about, it's a great way to start building relationships because this is an authentic way to communicate with people, building trust, building credibility around what you do as a company and the solutions you provide for your customers. Stories are a form of social proof, right? Because you're telling a story about somebody else, another company just like them that had success working with you. That's validation, third-party validation. That's very important. Yes. And there's one other tip that I have for people is that whenever you tell a story, we think, oh, it's all about telling, telling, telling. But actually, uh, the real leverage point is in sharing stories. And what I've noticed over the years is that whenever someone tells a story, it sparks a story in the listener. And then there's a reciprocal relationship that needs to be honored where the person who originally told the story needs to listen to the story that the other person wants to tell. And when we're in sales situations, this is pure gold. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And so there's another component of story listening that we always want to be aware of. And so it's a good balancing act between telling and listening. Yeah, I think great point because stories do exactly that. They trigger stories in the people that are listening to yours. And as a salesperson, you have to listen. You can't be thinking about what you're going to say next because the customer is going to respond to your story. You want to hear what that response is. Right. And of course, got, you know, collecting stories from your customers, gathering those stories, evoking stories from them is one of the best ways to figure out what uh, is going on in their world, what their pain points are, you know, uh, their uh, uh, need states are, what value propositions they're looking for. And so uh, stories can also be not only about what you tell, but what you collect. Right. Your customers have aspirations. So you want to understand what those aspirations are. Mm -hmm. And stories, as Karen said, great way to draw those out of your customers. So, well, great. That's That's been great information. So we're going to do a quick segment here where I'm going to throw some rapid-fire questions at you. Give me one-word answers or more if you wish. Just you are a storyteller after all. Um, you're a salesperson. You sell your own services. So what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Oh, oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, in one word, I, I would say uh, sharing stories when networking. Yeah, perfect. So what's the one book every salesperson should read? Business Storytelling for Dummies. All right, Business Storytelling. That's good. 
You can plug yourself. That's fine. <laughs> so what's your favorite music to listen to when you're psyching yourself up for a phone call, for a sales call? I think some of my workout music. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something that gets your blood pumping, you know, it gets you moving. So it's like dance music, you mean? Or? Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's the first sales activity you do every day? I write down my goals and affirmations. Okay. Can you share an affirmation with us? Yes. Uh, uh, my calendar is now full with wonderful paying clients. Ah, perfect. Mike, like that. That's a great affirmation. Yeah, thanks. So what's your favorite social media tool? I love Twitter. And the one question you get asked most frequently by either salespeople or business leaders. How do I talk about myself and not sound arrogant? Oh, great question. Great question. And the answer is? Uh, by being humble and making sure that other people in your story are the heroes and not you. Great advice. Karen brought that up earlier. Make sure the customer is the hero in your stories. So I want to thank my guest today, Karen Dietz. Karen, it's great to talk to you as always. Great. Thank you, Andy. This has been just a total delight. And so how can people learn more about you? I Well, you can go to my website. I've got uh, some free downloads there. Uh, there's ways you can um, uh, make a an appointment to see me or talk to me if you've got a question you know just send me an email i'd love to hear from you and uh, you can also download my uh, see my uh, coaching and training packages and uh, yeah I'd, I'd love to be able to help people with their sales and uh, see more success for everyone great so remember if you want to accelerate your sales and amp up your business then you have to deliberately deliberately Learn something new every day that will empower you to achieve your goals. And I think we helped you with that today. So until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.